Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Hi, Candace. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> so here we are, back in the studio for real. It's been, After how long? Oh, God, how long has it been? Six months, Six I think. Six months, I think so, too. Well, and today's topic... And we know why. And it's so fun because we're all sitting here in the studio together. Last time we were here, we all wore masks, I believe, and today we're all vaccinated. Oregon's done a really good job of getting people vaccinated. And the U.S. has now had over 50%, they said, have had one vaccine so. of yep. adults. Yep. And like 32% have had two. Uh-huh. So we're feeling a lot better, although it's been a rough year. So today, you know, we have so much to talk about. But one of the things we talked thought about talking about today is survival tips and post-pandemic thriving tips. Right. Because so much has been written. I mean, everybody's been inundated about the pandemic, the mistakes we've made, the sacrifices, the losses, clearly 550,000 people. As a matter of fact, Dan's wife's brother died of COVID we back in December. We were just talking about that, yeah. Just, we've all been touched. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in terms of lives, losses, business, travel, personal freedom, human contact, think about the kids who've been deprived of normal school days, families who've been thrust together, families who've been you know, torn apart and not able to see one another. People have told me they haven't seen their grandkids in a year. Sports have been disrupted. You know, some people, I thought about this, like students hoping to spend a semester abroad planning for that, Olympic athletes. You know, everybody's had their dreams dashed. Concerts have been canceled. Nothing to look forward to. No, museums, zoos were closed. You know, you hear about all these things. And it's like so crazy. Um, The hustle and bustle of everyday living has morphed into like quick trips to the store and masks, limited numbers. You have to like wait in line at Trader Joe's before you get into the store. Everything we took for granted just really changed overnight. It has. And people, you know, we keep hearing about mental health effects, stress, anxiety, and depression. I've heard one in four People under 25 have ideations of committing suicide, and then people have had to push back their weddings. People who've died haven't had you know memorials. It's mm. been um, we haven't. Had, I, I retired this year. We couldn't have a party. You know, people had milestone birthdays, but here we are, and it's 14 months in, and now we're trying to make sense of everything to adapt. And I think the word is flexibility. We've be, all become so damn flexible. Yeah. You know, you, uh, we've morphed into like, well, I can't do that, so what am I going to do instead? So we've learned to be alone more, I think, with a smaller group than we ever had to. We've learned ways not to just survive, but sometimes to thrive. So we thought we'd dig into some of the silver linings that come from this monumental global pause. And Candace came up with a really fun word, anthropause, <clears throat> because the whole world it was affected. It wasn't like this time, you know, even like world wars, there were certain countries that were immune to that. But this has been mm-hmm. worldwide. Even like I heard today, Thailand had done so well and now is doing very poorly. And India is India. in really bad shape. Oh, my God. Having become somewhat complacent, you know, that we still can't let 
down our guard. We can't, no. we still have, I mean, interestingly, we're talking about all this incredible stress and anxiety we've been through, and it's still, it's still there. I think oh, that yeah. there's a lot of hesitation, there's caution, there's fear of the future, there's not knowing if we can relax and get on with things, or if we still, how diligent do we need to remain? And it's kind of apt because right now, this month is Stress Awareness Month. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are more of us, I was just talking to Dan about this, and um, I was saying, and some of us are facing more stress than others and less awareness than others as well. But, mm -hmm. the, you know, more stress, less awareness, however it goes, we're all sort of confused and trying to figure out how to cope. So we wanted to talk about that mm -hmm. today, how we have been coping, what we've learned you know, what changes we've made in our own lives, what we are no longer taking for granted. And and I just wanted to make the point as, you know, in recognition of Stress Awareness Month that there's something to overcoming these challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, with all of the stress that we talk about, there's also the good stress, the you stress, as coined by Hans Selye, the father of stress research. There's good stress and there's yeah. bad stress. So it's not all bad. It's like we, you know, we've had extreme stress trying to work from home and school our children from home or keep our jobs or maintain our productivity. But on the flip side, the good stress of that is that we're able, we have been able, many of us, to maintain that productivity, to support our families, to provide, and we get satisfaction from that. Yeah. And parents of children, how stressful is it to raise children oh during COVID? They're, so they're missing out on the proms and their social interaction with kids, their friends, as you were mentioning. And God knows what law, I, I've talked to a few teachers in my consulting that have told me that at least, um, you know, one or more of their students are failing in, in one or more classes. And it's it's really an issue. You know, they can't put their hand on their shoulder and say, how can I help you? I know. But, but that frustration, too, is the, the flip side of that is that we, we can watch our children, we can support them through this, and still take responsibility for their, their care and feeding, watch them grow into healthy, happy adults. We can get through this. Yeah, I was driving the other day... Um one of the things that has kept me sane, well, two things have kept me sane, many things have, but, mm. you know, I love playing tennis, and I've also started really playing golf, but I was driving to the tennis club, I think it was Monday, and it was, it's now April here in um, Portland, and we've had an amazing spring, first of all, just beautiful flowers, oh, and, and yeah. that has saved our soul, but I saw these kids, I passed a school, all going to school, and the school buses lined up, and the jubilation and oh, their faces. Right. And now how often do you see kids in spring Want being to happy go to, school. to go to school? So <laughs> there's, I mean, there's so many things that you think, you know, when we, everything was taken away from us mm. in terms of, I think last March and March of 2020, it was like, you know, none of us could have anticipated how long we were going to go through. I remember people saying maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks. If somebody had told us a year and a half, which is probably what will end up being in the end mm -hmm. before we feel normal again, I think we all would have said, oh, just no way. There's no way I can do this. I remember hearing about China being locked down for six weeks thinking, oh, yeah, well, I could never do that. Well, yeah, we mm -hmm. did it. It's, it's kind of interesting to see how much we could do, you know, and how much could be taken away from us. And we could find new ways of enjoying our lives and finding yeah. meaning. And I think some, we want to talk about some of the, we've, uh, many of us have made accommodations and, you know, the big word is pivot, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What's the pivot in your life? What mm -hmm. have you, how have you changed things around to accommodate the new reality? 
and how how much normal is there going to be going forward? Is it normal now? Or we is it, it what's our new normal? And is people that, are fearful. Like I, today, I did play um, indoors and outdoors on tennis, and this um, 83 year old woman came on the court. I'd never met her before. She hasn't played for a year because of COVID. She was so nervous, and she had a mask on, and we had been playing outside without a mask. And she asked mm. me not to even get close to her with my mask and her mask because she was so she's I'm 83 and I said I get it I said you know but there's always that I want to say to her but the science lets us know but you know I'm vaccinated you're vaccinated tell us a little bit more about that Kyle being an NP and also Kyle is volunteering and has been giving vaccinations for several months now driving down to the beach yeah driving all over the state now you're going to the airport next week and be giving vaccinations you know it's interesting um i don't consider myself an expert on this by any means but when i do read i read with a scientific background and i think Mm -hmm. for a long time we have known that the covid virus does not live on surfaces the way we thought and all the cleaning we've been doing. So you don't have to microwave your newspaper anymore. Well, we never had to. And you never had to take off your <laughs> there shoes. There were those that did. I know, and I didn't. And I have to say, I'm glad I didn't. There was people who were so nervous about you know getting their groceries delivered, even outside their door for a day. Yeah. All non-essential. We now that know that. And there even the CDC has said we don't need to do all this cleaning. When you go into a store, I went into a store the other day and someone said, could you please use some hand sanitizer? And I thought, okay. I did because I thought, you know, you got to pick your arguments, right? Yes. But um, it's taken a while, though, to get clarity. It, well, and it that's has added been, to the that, stress. But that's been out for at least six to nine months. But yeah. people, you know, if you don't read this stuff and, and pay attention, mm. we all have a different focus of what we pay attention to. Some people are more political, some people are more science, some people are more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, films. But anyway, so then I, the, new, the newest controversy, I think, is uh, do we need to wear masks outdoors? And over and over again, they have said, you know, it has to do with how how close you are to somebody, how long you're with somebody, whether they're talking, laughing, sneezing, yelling. And um, so it's concentration of virus, proximity of virus, and duration. We know that. When you're outside, unless you're You've in a... You've got cl- aeration. Or, yeah, and when I've, yes, exactly. That's why the planes are all using the air. They have 90, what, 80% circulated air. They're now saying, like, even a sports event, if you're in a small, enclosed space outside... Um, kind of like a bunch of people in one, you know, uh, what do you call it? One area of a of a, uh, a stadium that might be co- cause for concern. But like outside walking, when you're passing people in the street, you're not going to get. You're not directly breathing you're on not them. Not going to get that. And then yeah. and they, again, the proximity's not there. The duration's not. I there. read a statistic that said some 0.5 percent chance of transmission in, even in passing someone, maybe even lower I than that. I think even lower. So I think. But what about in a gym? The, the gyms oh, are reopening, and I really gym, wonder you, about that. A gym so Spewing, far. Spewing, sweating. No, you have to wear a mask inside a gym now. Yeah. I mean, we okay. were talking about that though on a tennis court. You know, do you? Do you really need to? But again, if people haven't been fully vaccinated, I think you have to respect that. I mean, vaccines mm-hmm. we know are not a hundred percent, so there's that. But we know what we're pretty that? sure we're pretty sure from what I've read, and I'm sure you've read this too, that if you've been vaccinated, your ability to carry and transmit the virus is almost nil. That's what they're thinking. There have been no hospitalizations, no mm-hmm. deaths. No, and but among I mean those. Well, other than this Johnson Johnson thing now, but um, no, but I'm, t- what I'm talking about is, is the ability, the ability yeah. to transmit the virus if you've been fully vaccinated is extremely 
they don't even think you can, but I can't say for sure that we can't. Mm-hmm. When looking back, we'll, we'll know more in a year or two, I think. But for now, if you've been fully vaccinated, you're not going to transmit it to somebody else as far as we know. But again, I'm respectfully, if I'm indoors with somebody who hasn't been vaccinated, I'll wear a mask if they want me to. But they, if they're wearing the mask, is going to be helpful. Getting back to, we know the Pfizer and the Moderna are both 94 to 95% effective if you've been fully vaccinated sec- two weeks after your second dose. Mm-hmm. I think Johnson & Johnson's more like 70%. Mm-hmm. We do know that the British variant, um, the UK variant, we the, the Pfizer and Moderna are effective against those. I don't know about the South African one yet. So I'm The not British th- variant's been interesting because that's been the main right. type of um, COVID in Britain. And I'm watching that closely because I'm planning to go over there in the fall. But um, evidently, the Brits took the took the attitude that they would try to get as many people vaccinated as possible. So they vaccinated, I think it's With over... One. Yeah. Most of the population has had at least one vaccine. And what's interesting, one vaccine has caused a 90% drop in right. the daily case rate. So that, you know, that should give those of you who are still trying to get that second vaccine some reassurance that you're pretty well covered. I think your your additional coverage with the second is just about 10%. Well, the first, I think the first one is 70% and the second one is about, brings you up to 95. But I know Dr. Fauci, that's one of the, he was asked that question over and over again. Do you mm-hmm. think it's better to give everybody one? He said... He didn't feel comfortable jumping away from the science. So the science told us two. But I remember thinking the same thing like you. Why wouldn't we just give everybody one? Yeah. Bring that up. And so, but, you know, the the CDC has to make these recommendations. And it's not easy. These are not easy decisions to make. And then there are the people who don't want to get vaccinated. I talked to a woman who felt that she didn't trust. I don't know what news source she watched, but she just didn't trust that and she said, I'm not going to get it. Somebody else said to me, what, does it change your DNA? And I always ask people, what are you afraid of, number one? If you have underlying health problems, COVID is way more dangerous than any possible side effects from a vaccine. And number three, big point. Who do make. you who do you trust? And she told me she trusted Dr. Fauci. And I said, well, Dr. Fauci would have you get vaccinated. She goes, and, and our conversation led to, okay, I think I will do it. But um, there are people who are just not going to get vaccinated, and unfortunately, I'm I'm sad for them because I think, you know, we never ever questioned like most people didn't question getting the measles vaccine or the polio vaccine. Why this has become politicized is very sad to me. You know, it's interesting. When I lived in England, um, I had little kids there, and I was working at Witch Magazine, which is like Consumer Reports, and there were I was on a team of uh, um, research investigators, and a lot of us were. There, there was it was just very popular in Britain at the time to be anti the measles mumps rubella vaccine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a big movement against the MMR. Right. And so I being a, a part of this team, just sort of when I think back on it, I just was swayed by what the information was, mm-hmm. and I decided that I wouldn't give my kids the MMR vaccine. And it wasn't you know it wasn't necessarily political. I think it was just part of wanting to be on board mm-hmm. with my colleagues who and, and there was it was a big movement and it wasn't until we moved back to the states and the school board said um sorry you <laughs> will not school. be admitting your children to school until you get them the vaccine yeah. and i think i think there's a certain 
re, you know, rationale to that that extends today to this idea of a vaccine passport. I kind of like that idea because then I know, and I, I'm sure people have many different views, but if if there's some certification that you've been vaccinated, then everybody feels safer. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's not, this shouldn't be about just personal individual freedom. It, it's not. Because as I was saying to you guys this morning, that can also mean freedom from responsibility for your fellow well, man, for the like common saying, good. It's sort of like saying, um, I don't believe that if I drive when I'm drinking, I'm impaired. But yet, you, if you get behind that wheel, you might kill somebody that I love, and that's yeah, fa- or somebody that I don't. That's know. where we need to think about I, the common good. I think so too. And I, I, it, I thought of two things when you were talking about this. Um, you know, one thing to the vaccine passport that I've heard is that when you travel to other countries like China or Asia, you know, you have to get vaccinated. India, you have to get vaccinated for those things. There's sort of... Anyway. You do. always. And you have to show proof of that. Mm -hmm. So why are we making this different? And the other one is that you're talking about volunteer vaccinating. The first group of people I vaccinated was down in Tillamook, which is on the Oregon coast. And it's more of a, um, I would say it's more of a blue collar, um, a lot of fishermen, a lot of people who live down there are retired. So it's a kind of an interesting demographic. And I wasn't sure if there'll be a lot of vaccine resistance, but these people were all in their 80s and up because that was the first wave in Oregon. They oh, were right. freaking yeah. adorable. They came oh. in and they would just sit there. And I, I would go through my spiel because I always go through a spiel, you know, this is what the vaccine is good for. This is the side effects. And they would just put out their arms and say, give me the shot. And then <laughs> this one guy said, I said, do you have any questions? And he said, honey, I'm an ex-Marine. He goes, I would just get stabbed and poked by anything and we never asked any questions so I thought it's so interesting to think how people some people are just so vaccine hesitant and other people just have just just you know give me the give me the shot and so there are cultural differences too I mean among the the people of color and the black communities they've had a lot of issues with medical care we know that there are so many disparities in medical care and the tuskegee thing and all the uh, using being and the trust isn't necessary you know it's it's a matter of trust but I really and trying admi- to re- win that trust. Well, I so admire the um, the leaders of the um, black community coming forward and saying, you know, the different uh, politicians and preachers coming mm-hmm. forward and saying, look, I'm getting my vaccine. Trust yeah. science. Trust. It comes down to again and again, what are we looking at? We know, are we looking at politics? Or are we looking at science? And I told somebody in, that I know very well who was very concerned about the vaccine. I said, why are you so concerned about this? When you had a baby, you trusted your doctors to, to do the right thing for your mm-hmm. for your pregnancy and your yeah. birth. Why are we moving away from that and, and being so worried? Why are we thinking that we're trying to screw people up now? I don't get that. I, I, I have a hard time kind of sorting through that, but I'm hoping that we're moving forward. And I think we are. I, I think, think we are. I think it feels like gentler times and I do too. kinder times and people doing the right thing. I mean, I was doing a big hike the other day with my husband and um, so many people we passed in the woods there were wearing their masks outdoors and, you don't and we to. weren't I know and I was kind of walking because I'm thinking well I'm in my 70s I've got my two vaccines and, and I'd walk by someone with a mask on I had meant to carry mine just out of politeness and I forgot and left it in the car so I would put my shirt up over my mouth I and I was saying but I'm vaccinated I've been vaccinated twice and they go like oh it's should- okay we're just trying to do this for personal respect, you know, respecting each other. And so that's, it's kind of surprising how many people are just kind of adhering, sort of like the Asians, you know, we'd all say, gosh, a lot of Asians do wear masks all the time, especially in places like 
airports. And well, I was in Arizona. That can't hurt. I was in Arizona a couple weeks ago, and, and you know, it's a different kind of culture there, and a lot of people were not wearing masks in the downtown Scottsdale area, but a lot of people were, and we went hiking in Sedona, we went hiking on the trails, and again, some people were, but again, we're being outside, I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah. My husband and I are both vaccinated. Being careful. I mean, I don't want to get COVID. You know, this, what they're saying now, the new, new thing came out just today in the New York Times saying, even people with mild cases of COVID are now coming up with these weird sequelae and these sort of long-term effects of COVID. It's not something we take lightly. So I don't think, I don't want to sound like somebody who takes this lightly because I haven't. I mean, I've been no. really careful. I've played golf. I've done all the things. I've been outside. I've seen but people, outdoors. but carefully. Yeah. And I think we've all gotten through it. Oregon has done a really, we had the third lowest incidents in the country because mm-hmm. people have mostly been pretty good. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, where our numbers are up again, again. So, I mean, like you said, to your point, Candace, even though we've been pretty good, numbers are coming up again. So it's just, we, we don't have a handle on this yet. We, we're, we're still in a state of anthropause. That is an interesting word. It refers to, I don't think we defined it exactly, but I was just, you know, another great article in the New York Times that it was talking about. Um, so you didn't come the, up with that word? The, no, you, I didn't make that up. Oh, I thought. Oh you no, said. no, no! You thought I was so brilliant. I, well, no, I no, I, I came across so it. No, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually a term that has that's there, but oh. anthro referring to man, right? And the stilling of human activity. I told Joe you made that word up. Oh God, he, he must thought be that was really cool. impressed. <laughs> no, no, I didn't make it up. I just thought it was great because we talk about menopause. No, it's great. We and talk it, about andropause, and then there's the anthropause. The the, the rolling back of human activity. I mean, think of the pictures of empty streets in I Rome know. and Paris. And, and, and animals walking down the Golden Gate cougars Bridge. Cougars on yeah. the, you know, know, bears in the streets and uh, all the thing, you know, the animals have come out to play. But it has been a really strange, hesitating time. You know, we've yeah. just pulled back to the point where some people say they they feel anxious about socializing again. Or they don't They don't know how to talk to people anymore. Or, you know, it just becomes so, but but on the other hand, again, the thing about taking stress in stride, and by the way, listeners, Kyle and I want to do an episode on, you know, the, the biology of stress. Yeah, but the, that's long overdue. And, 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 and we will have, um, now that we're back in the studio and we can start recording again, how exciting, we're overwhelmed yep. with great ideas that we should, <laughs> that we should talk about some more. And of course, we want to hear from you, but um, anytime, email us. So I have a uh, new word. Yeah. You know, we always talk about, we had a, so Candace and I had a blog, and we called it menopausibilities. And Kyle did make up that word. I did make up that word, menopausibilities. Which many and, people did think which, was so brilliant. Which is all, it was all about the possibilities of menopause, so I think we should need to have to have anthropausibilities. Anthropausibilities, and that can kick off our conversation. Right, how right. do you How do you cope with this stilling of human mm-hmm. activity as we knew it? Right, and but, what do you take, and what do you, and, and what do you take forward from what we've learned? Because again, I've heard from a lot of people, and I know all of you listeners, and Candice, I know you feel the same way, and Dan too, this last year plus has been a time for us to reevaluate what's important in our lives. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have gone back to the kitchen cooking more than we ever had, calling friends that you had, hadn't had seen in a long time. I've reconnected with high school friends. I saw them a few years ago, uh-huh. but we've started talking and texting again. It's been fun. I graduated. It'll be 50 years that I graduated high school this year. You shouldn't so, admit that. I know I shouldn't admit that. Because people wouldn't guess that. No, I know. But that's good. <laughs> but, you know, but the, and I think the other thing that happened is that if you are in a 
long-term relationship or you have your children at home, like people who had their kids off at college, they came home again, you're living with people again a lot more than you've lived with them before. I mean, like my husband mm-hmm. and I would you know, kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. You were stuck together and you either learned how to like it or mm-hmm. you things did not work out well. Thank yeah. God for us it did. But for many people, they found the flaws and it was hard. You know, I read this great quote from a kid somewhere in the country saying this continuous living in the continual present <sighs> does provide, again, that taking stress in stride idea does provide us with the time to pay attention to the objects of our daily neglect. That's very And good. I thought that was a really interesting way to put the fact that apart from contemplating our navel, it's not that so <laughs> much as it is people have become much more aware of you know who they are when they're just on their own and without all the distractions and all the activity and all the plans and parties and friends who are you how do you eat how do you sleep how do you feel when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. how do you how do you relate to yourself when there's just you and you and nobody around um you know what do you have to look forward to how do you make your life work and i think people have really become much more health conscious you know, time to to pay attention to those those places that you daily neglect, that you're not noticing. Just talking to a young woman yesterday who um, who's had a severe hair loss, and she has other mm. issues too. She has menstrual irregularities. By the way, COVID, COVID and the vaccine have the, evidently there's some changes to menstrual cycles. Nothing dire, but but if you notice a change in menstrual. In oh, your menstrual cycle regularity, it, it, and you just got the vaccine, it could be that that effect. It's probably a stress response. It's a stress response. But um, what Mo- was I saying? I'm having a menopausal about, moment. Well, uh, can I jump in? I was going to say, <laughs> well, while you're having that menopausal moment, I was thinking about can you relate, uh, all ladies? the things that, you know, how clean is your garage? How clean is your closet? How, yeah. how much have you purged? I remember how clean pur- is your gut? How much? How that. much have you purged? I remember last year, last spring, starting to purge my closets because I live in a condominium, and it's you know a certain limited space, and I had already downsized from a bigger house, and we have a house, another house, but I remember starting to purge, but there was nowhere to take my clothes and nowhere to take my things because everything was closed. Yes, but it was kind of interesting. I remember thinking all these people I knew were cleaning their garages, their closets. <laughs> that my yes. drawers have never been nicer, uh-huh. and now I'm so I'm so much fussier about things, and like I got rid of so much crap, which was a good thing. And I'm also buying less stuff. Don't you find that you're not consuming as much stuff because? You become aware of how much less you need when you don't have to go out and get dressed up every day and go out. I mean, the athleisure wear, the industry. I've been disgusted with the amount of clothes that I have. Exactly. It's just, why do I need this? I've I've given things away so to all I. kinds of people, but I was yeah. I was just hearing coming in today. There's there is a huge amount of money that has been saved yes. in this time. No Penta, travel. No no travel. No shopping. I mean, people have still been shopping, but. I think people have really reined in their expen- their their spending because of the uncertainty well, of REI the future. God had I remember last year buying a kayak, an inflatable kayak. I got the last one of all REI in the whole company because everybody was buying toys to play outside because outside was a pl- safe place to go. Mm-hmm. Golf courses. I mean, my friend and I figured out the second week of of COVID. 
we were like, what can we do? What can we do? And the weather was pretty good. And she said, let's play golf. And we were like, and we, I remember we went to the golf course. We were like, oh, this is where all the cool people are. We were, feel, <laughs> we, were, we were feeling like, you know, you suddenly like told you weren't allowed to go out. You weren't allowed to have parties. You weren't allowed to go traveling. And then the golf course was like, there was people. It was like, I remember thinking, oh my God. How people much? in three dimensions, and, not and, on Zoom. And I think that's the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm obviously an extrovert. Candace is an extroverted introvert. My husband's an introvert. Introverts... I think had an easier time of this. People like me. Yes, it's been torture for the extroverts. Torture. I is, think it yeah. is, and I, I. But I love being by myself, so I'm okay with that. I, mean, I have tons of hobbies and stuff, but, but missing people, missing that human contact, and mm-hmm. I think of people who like in the nursing homes or retirement homes. They really life slowed down so much, and it just it seems like a year of. Um, when you're getting closer to the end of your life, it must have been such a robbery of that time. Yeah. But then I go back to, then I go back to what it was like to live as a pioneer person where you didn't see people for days. So it's kind of like this funny, it's our, it's our World War II. It's our, you know, thing that we had to go through. But it's also on the flip side, again, in, in honor of Stress Awareness Month, how do we take stress in stride? You look at that and, and all that we've gone through, uh, on the other hand, has been this opportunity to, um, you know, to, to reverse the the negatives, to take new new paths, to I find totally agree. new ways of being and living. I mean, talk about being here now. Zen. Remember in the sixties, it was all about be here now, the moment. Give me this has been the chance chop, to chop practice wood, that. Chop wood, carry water. Yeah, you know that whole thing about um, when you're washing the dishes, don't be rushing through it. To you know, I remember Notice thinking, the feeling of the, the suds. Water. But there's a lot to be said yes. for that. And when you slow down and you can notice, and I think that's what a lot of us. But I, I, I have found that for myself, I, I've really, you know, in this observation of self during this time and trying to be here now, I've noticed that. I don't, I still have this sense of hurriedness, you know, that that has taken, and that's become my, my, my thing that is my residual back burner stress is that there's always this expectation somewhere in my tiny brain that says that I should be getting with it. I should be moving faster. I should be thinking sharper. I should be doing more. I should be exercising more often than I already am. Um, I should be cooking amazing gourmet New York Times <laughs> dinners every you, night. Haven't you had seven course meals every night? <laughs> what, Candace? Come on. Made a good one last <laughs> night. I love the home section of the New York Times, the I five recipes. Oh, yeah, no. I made two of them in the last week. But, um, no, I get you know, that. it's just been so interesting because all we really have is time, right? We have the time we have, and then we're out of time. But it's how we manage our time, how, we, how we choose to spend our time. It's always you know, that. This, this whole was... thing about, I don't have any time. No, you do. You have all the time in the world as long as you, you know, manage it. it. Well, I remember saying to people who would say to me when I was working in, in my practice, I don't have time to exercise. I would say to them, well, you know, everybody gets 24 hours in a day. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less. Yeah. And so yeah. you, it depends on what you do with those 24 hours is how you define your life. Like you said, it's the choices you make each day. Mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about this, I'm the same kind of person you are. I like to be productive. I like to be busy. But I've also had days where I just had nothing on my schedule. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do with this time? And it's very interesting how time slows down when you do that. Yeah. And it becomes almost like, well, I should be getting something done. or The shoulds. Should. Or how about I'll just read a book or I'll just call a friend that might need a call or I'll just bake a, a patch of cookies. or I'll, like, you, like you said, I 
pulled out some recipes. I made a really great gourmet Indian meal one night and a mm. Caribbean meal mm-hmm. one night. And I thought, well, that was fun. I <laughs> learned how to cook tofu, how to make tofu taste good this, wow. during this period That's of time. That's special. I always shied away from making tofu because I just couldn't, <laughs> it's always tasted horrible to me. And, and I've just found all kinds of recipes for that and didn't, you know, I never made time to do that because I had decided I didn't like it. I, you oh, know, I you you, you think of all these decisions you make in life, and then you kind of live by these decisions. Yeah, you don't make choices. I mean, it's like I know I I love polenta, so and they I can change any moment. Yeah, and I think it's so. And I've been sort of. Um, experimenting on cookies. I've been like, I, I have this little America's Test Kitchen in my house now. I've, I'll, t- I'll make a, a recipe of cookies and I'll write down the different ways I've changed the recipe to so when I get the perfect cookie, I remember what I did. Mm-hmm. So I've been having fun with that baking because I love baking. But, I mean, it's just fun to have that kind of time and that luxury of time. And I think that's not anything we're going to want to give up. No. I mean, I'm hoping that this, no. you know, when we talk about accommodations during this time, and by the way, listeners, we're just catching up here. Yeah. So this is this is riffing, and hope you're you know resonating with us because it's been a while. Yeah. Kyle and I, you know, and I think so many of us have, um, you know, all these Zoom the Zoom calls and the Zoom meetings. That's gotten really old. Oh, and I like I was going to say one of the things I thought about, and Candace and I talked about. One day I called Candace. And we talked for like an hour and a half. And I thought, now how long has it been? When I was in high school, what about you? I was on the phone all the time. I had to get my own phone line. Oh, my God. I was, was grounded to the house all the time by my dad because I was always on the phone. Right. And think about how we've all turned to texting and emails. And this pandemic, mm-hmm. what I've heard from people is they've actually taken time to make phone calls again. And you've actually, like, welcomed a phone call. Before it was like, oh, God, somebody's calling me. I don't want what to answer is, it. What is the scent? What do you think is the reason that we have so readily accepted technology to the point that we would allow our relationships to dwindle into text messages well i think text messages okay they serve a purpose but they're not they don't they don't substitute for friendship and no real communication but i mean back in the day when you know you and i are both old enough to know that we didn't have answering machines when we were young so if you didn't answer the phone you didn't know who called then you had the answer machine luxury, and that was like a way of screening your calls. That was awesome. It was like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't really want to talk to that person today, so or I'll call mm-hmm. them back. I'm not in the mood. Well, you know, you're not always in the mood to, to receive a phone call. Some people call you up, and they you can't get off the phone. And, and that's you, one of the beauties of texting and messaging, right. that you're not put on the spot. But, but I think the texting started out as a great thing, but it's become an obsession, and it's a way to communicate rather than picking up the phone and talking. And oftentimes, when you text me, I'll pick up the phone. Sometimes, if we had so many yeah. text messages, yeah, I'm gonna oh, call. I'm gonna call. But then the thing that drives and me confusing. crazy: somebody is texting with you, and then you call them, and they don't answer. You're like, that makes no sense. You were just text. Well, they probably went to the bathroom. <laughs> probably went to the loo, or, or they had their phone turned off, like my kids do. My daughter has turned. But I think, yeah, I okay. Silver lining. Um. Phone calls. Phone calls. Mm-hmm. Luxurious, long, juicy, fun, feeling like you visit with a friend. Phone calls. I would say better than Zoom, even. Better than, than Zoom. Zoom, Zoom has not been my favorite. Zoom has been very strange for me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in my own opinion, I just think, first of all, 
you're looking. You, you, there's a there you are on the screen. How <laughs> how normal is it to be having a conversation and be able to see your own face? <laughs> and, not good. and every face you make and where your hair is sticking up in the air, which mine always is. <laughs> is and I'm look and I'm trying to not straighten now. my hair, and I've I've got the wrong hand because I'm looking at the Zoom land, the Zoom call. And then there are six other people, and we're all trying to you know find a place to. And, and you're not looking into anybody's eyes. No. You're not. It's been a really. I mean. And that, too, but has been a very strange... The good news is about that, and I think we've talked about <laughs> I don't this. think I'll ever adapt to that. I don't love it, but the good news is that people do talk one at a time. There's no interrupting. Like and it's we, been a lifesaver had a for book, school, for work, yes. for book clubs, for But state. you don't have chit-chat. You don't have, the, you don't have the spontaneous conversation. You don't have the side conversation. So good news, bad news. I know. It's hard. I think... Um, if you can't visit an elderly relative, obviously it's a golden it, opportunity. It, but it, it's better for some people, but uh, I think... Um, I will miss. I will not miss Zoom. I will not miss Zoom. I did Zoom. I know you do it in your, in your practice. Towards the last six months of my work, I was doing lots of Zoom calls with people um, with or just the face FaceTime. That's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. No. no. I, th- I, th- I think it'll hang around. I know people, like I probably mentioned this before, but my son-in-law started, um, he's in the service industry and he's, an, he's a mixologist and he lost his job and was in big trouble. And he started, he pivoted and started doing Zoom cocktail classes and has been wildly successful. You said that. I mean, well, yeah, You know, the course. cocktail hour. Yeah, I think it's great. For some people, it's been a lifesaver. So I think um, some of the other things that have happened was that, you know, we finished projects that we may not have finished before. I haven't finished all of them because that will never happen. They'll take some of those to the grave with me. But uh, but I think, like, people have, like, my husband built a deck at our beach house. People have, the price of lumber has gone through the freaking roof mm-hmm. because everybody wants it. And there's no, we can't, I heard this on the news yesterday, we can't get it from Canada because of the whole problem with the borders. And so now we have this price and people are building all kinds of things. And, you know, think about the toilet paper. I mean, we kind of went through these like phases of like craziness. I got to have that now. And everybody wanted the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of made it like, what? You know, do we really need all that stuff? But I think um, projects, people have done more projects. They've gotten new hobbies. And, you know, I always say to people um, when I'm talking to folks about hormone levels and cortisol, stress hormones follow are meant to follow a certain pattern, a diurnal pattern where cortisol is highest in the morning to get you up and going. And we're Mm going to talk about this, as I said, in another episode about just how adrenals and stress hormones work. But, um, you know, I'll often say to people who are just kind of out of whack in terms of stress, you know, they're they're not waking up in the morning feeling rested, they're Mm -hmm. exhausted. And then later in the day, their levels are way up and they can't sleep. It's kind of this tired but wired thing. And these are the people that are not making time for self. You know, women being notorious about taking care of everybody else. And I'll say to people, hey, make a list of the 10, 12 things you love to do most in all the world. That often includes the kind of projects you, you're talking mm-hmm, about. You mm-hmm. know, s- scrapbooking, knitting, sewing, singing, right. um, gardening, different, gardening the things, sketching. Um, that's something that's become a big thing for me during COVID. I've, I've started sketching more. I really always like to do that, but on the back of a napkin. And now I'm sketching more. But, you know, that list is easy to make when you think about all the things you love to do and that de-stress you and relax you and turn 
you know, slow things down. And yet, if you go back through that list make and, and jot down next to each entry, when is the last time you did that? Mm-hmm. That can often be a real wake-up call. It's kind of like and the I Awakening think, Athena book, you know, talking yeah. about finding the things that make you that lo- make you happy and, and do that. But how often do we actually make the time to do those things? It can be so amazing. And I think that's been another a- adaptation to COVID that people have, like you're talking about the projects that have been completed. I think people have been able to turn around and say, yeah, I really really get a lot of pleasure out of embroidery. I'm going to pick back yeah. up on that. And I, and I think that I, a lot of people have picked up, my my sister-in-law has picked up playing the guitar and ukulele and she's now making soap. <laughs> I got some soap from wow. her. And you know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think a lot of people are just doing a lot of TV too. I mean, my God, how much binging have you guys done? Holy moly! I mean, probably, I have never watched more TV than in this year than in my life. Now that there are friends, but there, it's, there it's, are people. Well, they're it, the people we didn't get to we get to visit with well, every night. And my right? husband and I, well, you know, we got into this little habit every day. We could sit down in front of the TV. What do you want to watch tonight? And we watched watch our favorite shows like Colbert and all those shows. But then we get into like binge, and we'd be so sad when it'd be over. Like, oh, I what know. are we going to watch bereft. next? And then I would call somebody up and say what do you have and, and like we got, got into this like call my agent the French show and we Excellent. fell in love with it it's Ted funny. Lasso as it's you great. know Ted Lasso but I mean these yes shows- take take note there's a great podcast I listen to called um, Slate Political Gab Fest and they always have the end cocktail hour yeah cocktail chatter and they talk about the different um, shows they're watching and that's how I heard about Call My Agent they all to oh. a man John Dickerson and Emily Bazelon who writes for the New York Times they, fabulous. they both raved about it I heard about Ted Lasso that way me um, was that through you yes yeah. Ted Lasso because I heard about oh, it oh I need to rewatch that well, well <laughs> so I um, was going to tell you too uh, about um, shows oh a great so we love our podcast and I hope you love it too listeners but my hair cutter told me about a fabulous podcast talk about people who got bored during the pandemic and needed something to do, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett have this podcast podcast called Smart Less. They yeah, are like so freaking funny, each one of them in their own right. Ah, and they get together and they mm-hmm. have this little podcast. I'm just going to put a plug in because if anybody needs something else to listen to when you're driving in the car. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of catch up and they're all friends and they have this great little kipping back and forth. And they, one of them invites a guest on, unbeknownst to the other two. So they've had like Ricky Gervais, Julia Louise Dreyfus, Ron Howard. More funny people. So funny and so great. Maya Rudolph, I think I was almost throwing up. I was laughing so hard driving And home. how important is it to laugh out exactly. loud? Exactly. That's have we been laughing much during no, this last we year? We need laughter, and so I mean, we need laughter. So I was just going to say, if anybody needs a fun podcast that just doesn't have anything political, it's just completely learning. About, and what's fun is that these guys are just like us, and they were bored, and they couldn't do their directing, they couldn't do their acting. They the couldn't film do, industry has been totally down like ninety seven percent. Yeah, so they're having fun, and and they and they took lemons and made lemonade, and so mm-hmm. I think like. So many of us were just fi- trying to find new meaning in our lives, new ways of finding meaning. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. I mean, I retired in the middle of this. I had all this time on my hands with no place to go. And no like, no way to travel, except, again, through some of these great shows that have been on. Mm-hmm. Traveling can, you know, you can travel vicariously. One show I've been loving is Men in Kilts, and it ended way too soon. Oh, I haven't known But that it's that adorable. Uh, for Outlander fans, I've never watched that show. 
but this is the the two guys i didn't even know who they were but the the two leads in the outlander series evidently fans of outlander call it drought call, we're calling it droughtlander when they were waiting in between episodes <laughs> I love it. but but um it's it's wonderful because they're both native scots and they t- they get in a, a caravan and they cover the country Aww. and it's beautifully filmed and they talk about traditions and cultures they they interview all kinds of people like the, this group of older women who sing these Celtic songs while while weaving a certain kind of cloth oh, and they visit Scotland. them while they're doing mm. it. And it, and then there's Stanley Tucci has a show where he's... I was going to say, I love Searching for Italy. That, yeah. I've been watching that. And that's, so that's a way that's to go. That's my heritage. The, and so it's uh-huh. like, I'm, 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 I, I sit down, I feel like I'm, I'm eating the food with him and I'm, because I miss Anthony Bourdain and, you know, it's who just... Who doesn't? Oh, yeah. I know. And so Stanley Tucci, he just, my husband kept saying, he, goes, he keeps saying, mmm, it's so good. I said, well, what else is he going to say? Italian <laughs> food is so good but he's yeah. charming and I love yeah again so those have been ways like you said mm-hmm. to vicariously travel we are all I've come to the conclusion that we're all very <laughs> spoiled and we've just got, kind of got our hands slapped this year of like what we could couldn't do and I think a lot of us were just a little bit more some people really settled in pretty easily I have other friends who are like I'm going to still go. And it's like, no, you're not going to go. Something about being in America, isn't it? That you mm-hmm. always feel like we're far away from all these other things, that these it's ravages like Ebola yep. and all the, the avian flu and all these things that we get touched a little bit by, but we haven't ever Never. experienced, yeah. apart from 9-11, we have not experienced anything that really <clears throat> hit us all. And I, I think there's unity in that. I do too. And, and I hope that it does it does translate to the greater good because I think there is more cognizance. I mean, I've become so, you know, talk about taking things for granted. I've become so cognizant of life, life itself. I have too. And that I can't bear to see a plant in a plastic pot. So I'm going around my, you know, I'm trying to dress up this land that we bought that was like a big hunk of dirt and trying to plant stuff. And anytime I bring something home in a pot, I start obsessing over how long has it been in that planted in that plastic pot because I want it to thrive and live. I know. And I, my I plants can't are all kill doing a stink great. bug. I pick it up in my hand and I put it outside. I'm sure I'm I don't mean to be applauding myself, but I, I was different than that before. You just smash a worm that way. Well maybe not smash it, but maybe <laughs> put it down the drain or something. Well I, and I just- I do think you're right. I mean, there's more value for life. I had this little book. I can't know. I bought yes. this book called Everyday Gratitude, and I just wanted to read a one poem. I thought that I'm not poem. It's a little um, saying when we're talking about science and talking about life. It says, "We live in a time when science is validating what humans have known throughout the ages that compassion is not a luxury; it is a necessity for our well-being, resilience, and survival." And I think. I know if my, what you're talking about is compassion. We've had compassion for one another. We've been mm-hmm. more aware of our neighbors. I know people who've lived next to people for years and didn't even know who they lived next to. Suddenly you're stuck with those neighbors. Remember when we were all like um, hitting our pots and pans last last spring when we were all celebrating all the healthcare workers and the first responders? Yeah. That was a real unity. Like in Italy, watching those people sing. and, and there was a, From their balconies, yeah. Yeah, I think there's this been, like you said, there's a, there's a unif- unfortunately there's been some division. Unfortunately, I think that it's getting better in our country. But we're healing. The, we're, we're healing. Starting we to are heal. starting to heal. But there's been this unit, unification in that we're all in this together. We're like you said, we haven't all been in this before together. I mean, we're not all in it equally because there's definitely the haves and the have-nots. But 
we're all feel everybody's feeling like it. Nobody's been spared. It's a le- it's been a leveling of the playing field. That's for sure. Much more so than um, things in the past. You know, again with stress awareness month, I was kind of looking at different. Um, I was reading this um, American Psychological Association's findings from their their 2019 Stress in America Society a survey, and they said that stress levels have gone up uh, uh, like five points or some some very significant increase in stress, obviously through COVID. But one of the findings was that. Nearly three in five adults say they could have used more emotional support in the last year. Mm. So that kind of resonates with what you're saying about compassion. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, reaching out. And that's been that's been a problem. I'm sure there are people thinking, I wanted to, but I was afraid to because I didn't want, you know, in the early days of this, we didn't know. I have a 97-year-old neighbor and she didn't really want anybody getting too close. So I would leave yeah. muffins on her doorstep and little notes and things like that. But I felt like I could have done more. But then I thought, well, do I really want to? I know. It's, it's, it's a, been it's hard a, to show fine... compassion. Well, I think, and I have some friends who have a lot of anxiety, and they just they haven't seen anybody in the whole year. And I think, wow, that's such a heavy burden. Because mm-hmm. again, getting back to the science of this whole thing, we don't have to be isolated completely. We had to be right. watching our numbers, wearing our masks, social distance, but we didn't have to be completely isolated. And I think the, the anxiety of some people, it gets so high, it, and it's got to be depressing to be deprived of any human touch, any human contact. You know, we can't really see each other's faces and our masks. So that that whole thing has been so odd oh. with the eyes above the mask and how you know for a while it looked like everyone was afraid of each other or you're you're look you're looking down and not looking at each other. There's been a lot of loss of eye contact. Oh, people and, have stopped looking at each other a, yeah. a lot. I wrote a poem. I'll read that later. But the other yes, thing, the yeah. other quote that I really liked was when we talk about silver linings. This other quote was good. It said, "When the bridge is gone." the narrowest plank becomes precious. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really beautiful metaphor for our lives. Like the bridge of our lives were gone to things, but even the Mm -hmm. little things make us happy. Like I know I I think I told you this. In January, I was actually feeling a little bit blue, which is not that common for me. And I started thinking, what can I do to lift my spirits? And I started taking photographs every day of something in nature that inspired me. And I couldn't believe the colors and the forms and the flowers that I found in January and February where we don't think of color. We think of dark and damp and dry, you know, and, and... things being dead and no life force. There's so much life to be found. To me, those were my planks, mm-hmm. my precious planks that I was finding. And it really That's helped a great me. great metaphor, it, yeah. It helped me lift my spirits up a lot when I was really feeling down about this whole thing. Because after a while, this really grinds on you. It just does. And you being an extrovert, we're more tortured than, than <laughs> some, I mean, some people have, have had a harder time with this than others. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, but again, but, it, but I think that's ultimately what we all have to find the time to ourselves, who we are, who we are when we're alone and we have nothing, no, no clothing to dress us up, no places to go, nobody to talk to. Who are no you? No reason to dye our hair. Who, who are on, you? I forgot, I forgot today. I'm sitting here. I don't have any earrings on. I forgot to put my rings on. I don't remember to do any of that. There's no adornment going on here. I know. Yeah. But I suppose that will 
that will all change. That will come back. Going... And think of, again, and, and it's so fun. I, <laughs> I had bought a few new things last spring before COVID hit, and I didn't get to wear them. So I, I went to go in my closet, and I put on, I did my, you know, my sun, my summer swap my with my yeah. winter clothes. And I was like, oh, I have all these cute things I didn't wear last year. I don't have to buy anything. Yeah, it's like new clothes. I mean, and I think that's part of, you know, what we want to talk about, too. Managing the stress of all this means making those change, you know, getting out, making new outfits out of what you have. I find that I, I start rearranging the furniture. Oh, yeah. That's one of my most fun things to take the stuff I already have and mm-hmm. change it up completely. Take Repurpose. things off the walls, put them on different walls. You have a whole new house. That's great. It's great fun, you know, moving things around and using what you have, you know, utilizing what you have. Trying to, you know, get off the computer and the cell phone mm-hmm. late at night, read a real book, let the light hit the book instead of your eyes so that you can sleep more deeply at night. Um, exercising earlier in the morning, you know, getting out in the sunlight, which for those of you who maybe haven't been sleeping well, another statistic here is that nearly half of adults say they have laid awake at night because of the stressors that have, that are, you know, rife right now. So how do we sleep? There are breathing exercises. There's exposing yourself to sunlight in the morning so that you build your melatonin. There's getting off the cell phone and the computer so you don't disrupt melatonin. There are so many things we can do yes. to, to in, you know, increase the quality of and our I've lives. Been ta- and I've been taking, like, before I go to bed, I started taking 600 milligrams of magnesium sulfate, and it really does help me sleep better, and I take melatonin now. I, my sleep was definitely disrupted this year. My, my, I think all of us have been. Yeah. I, I think we have had so, so much even, to worry about. So Nameless, much. like, stress from the neck up. We're just it's, living in our heads. And so sometimes, much. you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people... You know, people like us, I'm in my early 70s. I've been married 41 years. I I lay next to this person that I know so well. And I sometimes think the other day I was looking at him out there. He was, he's building a fence. Good fences make good neighbors. And he's building this fence. And I was looking at him working away. And I thought, what will I do without you? Yeah. What, what, you know, it's like I'm so aware of the impermanence of life now. That's been something that's really been hard, I think, just, but. Duh, we don't get to live forever. No. We know that. We don't escape the inescapable. We can't control the wind, but we can manage the sails. I heard something today, too. And I love that quote. This clo- uh, What will you do? Here's another great quote. What will you do with your one wild, wonderful life? I love that you quote, know? too. The other one I heard today, I was listening to the whole um, the World Climate Summit, and I heard yeah. this woman came on, and she said, there's a quote saying, when, when And she was talking about the climate change, and she was saying some people, when the wind comes, they build walls, and other people build windmills. And I ah, thought that was a great it. one, too. Isn't that great? Here's another great tip, by the way, speaking of windmills, a wonderful movie, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Oh, fun. It's a beautiful film, and it's a true story. Okay. And then a, yeah. I want to tell you about a book that we read for Book Club called The Pull of the Stars by um, Emma Donahue. She's an mm. Irish writer. She wrote Room. And the movie was made from that movie. Oh, right. And this is about, so is yeah. it, she started writing this book several years ago about the Spanish flu in Ireland. And when the pandemic Ooh, really? hit, she rushed it to get to publish. And it's it's about these nurse, a doctor, and a, a young woman who come and work in this uh, maternity ward in a hospital in Dublin in 1918. And the war is ending and the pandemic is on. And it, the parallels are so profound. We all read this in book club and we actually all met 
in person last week because all of us had been vaccinated. It was like hugging fest. But it was like we talked about this book and how profound it was. And it's a brilliantly beautiful book if you want to read a good book. Sounds really good, like maybe the the next uh, Netflix series. It's (laughs) great. And so if if you want to read something 100 years ago, was not that it was different. They didn't have the drugs we had. They didn't have the IVs. They didn't mm-hmm. have this. But they had the same observations about life and how much they had lost. And so a good one. Can I read my poem that I wrote? Yes. Kyle I, Kyle wrote this lovely poem. <laughs> I wrote a little poem, too, and I don't know what I did with it. But I loved Kyle's poem. And it that, again, had you ever written a poem no, until? No, not my whole life. Yeah, I was sitting, I was not ca- in her whole life. No, so you I see? Came, <laughs> I came home from this walk, and I was sitting there. My, and next to my husband, I had these two leather chairs in our living room. And I was sitting there very quiet. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing a poem. He goes, you are writing a poem? <laughs> so I know I have these thoughts in my head. My husband's a writer. He's a retired person. He's been writing like crazy. I am not. I don't consider myself a writer. But anyway, so I wrote this. I just came home and I felt this need to put this on paper. And I call this December 2020. This has changed us on the outside anyway, stealing glances at one another over our masks, hoping to make some kind of human connection or contact So, this is what dystopia feels like, separate from one another, even when we are in the same space. I wonder when we will feel safe again to walk about with our masks off, or will we wear new masks of fear, of anxiety, uncertain when we can look at one another in the face, unafraid to feel connected. Again, I say, bring it on. We will meet these new challenges. But we are changed in more ways than we know. And in our hurry to return to normal, I hope, and yes, I pray, we will remember the lessons, the losses, and carry those changes with us. And like I said, I've never, I've never written a poem before, but yeah. I just came home and I just was so tired of walking by people and not making eye contact yeah. and feeling so so separate from everybody again. That mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't just the aloneness. It was the feeling of separateness mm-hmm. from my fellow beings. That, and people afraid to, yeah. to be together again. And that's, so that's why I wrote that down. And not that I think it's a great poem, but it was just my feelings at the time. And I yeah. just had to share that. That's, that's just a perfect way to sort of maybe end our discussion um, today just about, you know, how we, how we find balance. We're still in that world of opposing forces and things that we can't control. We can't, we, we can't control things, but we can decide how we respond to them. I think so. And we can, we can, what is one of our essential truths? Balance is, we balance have so is many. possible. Balance is possible. There was there was another one that I was liking here. Okay. Finding being and staying in balance is a work in progress. Oh man, this Take year. Take the first step now. Make this a meditation. I, mm-hmm. I think this little chat, this catch up today has been a, a bit of a meditation on all that we we didn't want to just kind of slide right back into talking hormones, but but just to talk about life and itself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's that's where we are. So, um, and share with you how we felt because I really feel like we feel like we know you and you know us and you're getting to know us more and more. And this is what our lives have been like. And all of us have been in that same boat and mm-hmm. we're all going to make it guys. And I know we're going to find new sense and new ways of being and, 
and connecting and loving one another and having compassion for the earth and one another. Yeah, moving compassion, forward. that's the word. And having having this podcast, we hope to you know invite you and I hope you feel like you're just sitting down and having a glass of wine with us as we chat or have one of our long phone calls instead of texting. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's time to say goodbye. I guess I have to hang up on you now, huh, Candace? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long phone call. Okay, what is what do you say when you end a phone call? Catch you later. Until we meet again. See you soon. Bye. Love you. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF, Woman Talking Frankly, podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com, where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch.